0: Two pitch. A swing a long Deep
1: left. Hey, everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined today by Matt Eddy. We're previewing the National League. Matt, opening day is finally here. I don't know about you, opening day is honestly probably my favorite day of the year, just in terms of, you know, some people. The Prospect Junkies love Arizona Fall League roster release and opening day. Other people are all about spring training and the start there. For me, opening day, the real games start. Stadiums are full. We have the Japan series, but all 30 uh, big league teams are in action. To me, this is the best day of the year, and I'm glad it's finally here.
0: Yeah, it, it's truly a holiday. You get Major League Baseball on television and fantasy baseball on your computer.
1: It's uh, it, it's a pretty, pretty special day, and a lot happened this offseason. What's interesting is how much of it was in the National League. If you go and look at a lot of the biggest trades this offseason, a lot of it's National League. Paul Goldschmidt, J.T. Real the free agent signings, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Yasmani Grandal, Josh Donaldson. Some of these players were in the NL already, but on the whole, you had a lot of guys, the studs were in the NL, stayed in the NL, and a lot of the guys who were the best available free agents in the AL went to the NL as well. So to me, the National League is really kind of the story this year And I think with that, there's honestly been a little bit of a a shift in the balance. Generally speaking, the last few years, the American League has been the superior league. And that was crystal clear watching the postseason last year. Even just watching the ALCS and the NLCS side by side. Mm -hmm. The difference in quality and ability was striking. And it played out in the World Series exactly as we would have thought. Now when I look around... Again, we have to see if all these players live up to their hype, and and there's gonna be some players who inevitably drop off, and other guys rise up, but on the whole, I actually find the National League a lot more exciting this year, and I think the talent base in the league is significantly larger than it has been in previous years.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I think if you looked at every team, really, the Marlins are the only team that probably won't, you can guarantee, won't be competitive. So you have 14 teams at
1: least moving in the direction of competing. I see 10 teams I can legitimately see making the postseason. And some of the teams that are outside of that, like the Pirates and the Padres, I don't think will be terrible. No. When you contrast that to the American League, where you've got three teams you know will be in the postseason, and the second group beyond them isn't that inspiring. I, I, I made this point on social media a while ago, and I kind of truly believe it. I think 10 of the 15 best teams in baseball now reside in the National League as roster stand on opening day.
0: Yeah. I agree, and you could even construct a case that the Giants and Diamondbacks could be a 500 level teams if we're uh, if we're counting them as non-competitive.
1: And I, I will say this: I think the Giants and Diamondbacks, as the you know quote-unquote bottom level teams in their division, are a lot better than the bottom level teams we're seeing the AL Central, the AL East, and and probably even the AL West too. Oh the yeah. Giants and Diamondbacks versus the Rangers and potentially Mariners. The Mariners, yeah. It, it it'd be might be close. I mean, again, there's there's no question the National League is deeper. I think it's the more exciting of the two leagues. And and with that, a lot of that excitement derived from what happened in the National League East this offseason. The Phillies loading up, signing Bryce Harper, acquiring Gene Segura, extending Aaron Nola, acquiring J.T. Real Muto. Before the Phillies went crazy, the Mets were the headliners of the offseason, with acquiring Edwin Diaz, Robinson Cano, and Jed Lowry, and, and making a whole bunch of moves. And then on top of that, the Nationals very quietly picked up Patrick Corbin, Kurt Suzuki, and oh by the way, the Braves are defending champs. There's also a lot of talk about the NL Central with the Cardinals, so I feel like the talk has been about those two divisions. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers are the two-time defending champions in the National League. They are the team with the target on their back. They are the team everyone is gunning for. No team has made three straight World Series since the Yankees made it to four straight in 1998 through 2001. It's incredibly hard to get geared up again. We see pitching fatigue take a toll, and it kind of compounds year after year. The Dodgers had an interesting offseason. They lacked for right-handed bats last year. They lost a couple of them in free agency, Machado and Dozier, and then traded some of their key right-handed bats to the Reds, Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig, as well as Alex Wood, and they mostly got prospects back. You have Clayton Kershaw and Rich Hill starting the season on the disabled list. They're getting older. They're perennially hurt. And once again, they're just extremely left-handed, something, again, they had to make a lot of moves for at the deadline to fix, and now they're even more left-handed than they were last year in some ways. Given all that, are the Dodgers still the team to beat in the National League for you, just given the fact that they are the two-time defending National League champion?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, deep lineup, a variety of hitting hitter types, uh, you could see some of the pitchers continue to step forward. Um, Julio Urias, Ross Stripling, among them.
1: All-star Ross Stripling last year. All-star, All-star ta- ta- Ross Stripling off in the second half,
0: but <laughs> you know I think we've talked about this on past podcasts where the
1: bullpen you could you could see as a potential Achilles' heel for this team. They did add Joe Kelly to that bullpen. I think where the Dodgers can feel somewhat confident about that is they have a lot of really good arms in Triple-A. It's not like they're a team that has pitching prospects, but they're in Low-A or they're 2-3 years away. We saw Dennis Santana come up last year. Tony Gonsolin was great in Double-A. Uh, Yader Alvarez is an enigma, but you can, you know, he was, he was in Double-A last year. You can see him maybe getting something to click and all of a sudden he's, you know, pitching in the bullpen, even just getting some innings in. There's enough arms in the organization that you can see them making enough moves to still have a, a decent enough bullpen to get them through the season. Now, will it be a good enough bullpen to get them through October? That's a different conversation. But I, I do think that as, you know, again, two-time defending National League champions, six-time defending National League West champions, it, I did not pick the Dodgers to get to the World Series this year. You can see all of our staff predictions uh, when you pick up a copy of, of Baseball America, uh, the Major League previews on newsstands now but I'm also not so gung-ho about, oh yeah, their time is done, it's someone else's time now. They will be in this when all's said and done.
0: Absolutely, who, who, is, who do you see as the biggest challenger to them in their,
1: in their division? Well, you have to go with the Rockies, right? The Rockies got them to a game 163 last year and the Rockies aren't a fluke. They've made back-to-back postseasons. They have one of the best young rotations in Major League Baseball, especially when you take the park effects into account. It was arguably the best rotation in baseball last year, which is not something you normally say about the Colorado Rockies. Their offense was not good last year because they were relying on some guys who were way past their primes. Look, Gerardo Parra is gone, Carlos Gonzalez is gone. A lot of those at bats are gonna go to younger players who probably should be better. Um, They've had a, a run of top 10 farm systems. That talent is now in the majors we saw last year. They were the team that had the most homegrown players of any postseason participant. The bullpen has been an issue in the past, but there's still guys there you can you can like and and count on reliably so. So I will say this. The Dodgers are the pick to win the division. They should be, and they will be in contention. They should be when all's said and done. The Rockies aren't a fluke, especially now that Nolan Arenado signed. That left side, the infield story, in Arenado is one of the best left sides of the infield in baseball. Combined with a young talent base, combined with starting pitching, I do think this team will win 90 games again, or at least be in the... Co- in that range, and I don't think the Dodgers are gonna run away with it. Some of the preseason prediction models have them finish like 10 games ahead. I do not think that'll be the case, but I do think the Dodgers will win it when all's said and done.
0: It's gonna to be tough for any team in this league to pull away from the pack just because of how competitive most of the teams are, you know? Like, you might have to readjust your expectations where 90, 92
1: wins is actually an achievement
0: in the 2019
1: National League. It's very, very true. I- Bigger picture, though, so we've established the Dodgers will be in contention. However, when it came time to actually picking who we thought was going to be in the World Series, as we mentioned, I picked someone else. I uh, picked the St. Louis Cardinals, who the rest of the staff did not agree with me, but that was my pick. You did pick them to not only get back to the World Series, but you picked them to push through and win it. What was it for you that, looking at where they stand compared to the rest of their peers, that you still think they are better than? The Phillies, the Nationals, the Braves, the Cubs, the Cardinals. What is what puts them over the top?
0: Everything we've talked about: the strength of the lineup, the strength of the rotation, the strength of the farm system, and the uh, the strength of the front office and the decision makers. You know, they seem to pull a impact hitter out of thin air every season. Last season was Max Muncie. You know about Justin Turner and Chris Taylor. Before him, you know, I think. I don't know who that's going to be this year. I thought it was going to be Brad Miller, Brad Miller. and they let him go, so. So it's a look for a big year from him in Cleveland. Yes, yes. <laughs> I actually thought that was a nice pickup. But, but I, it's it will be fascinating to see who emerges this year for the Dodgers.
1: And again, I, I if they do need to get a little more right-handed at the deadline, as we saw them do last year, if they need another bullpen arm, they have the prospects to go get that. And right. uh, J.J. Cooper and I did the American League preview. You can listen to that as well. We talked about, we've seen over the last, two or three trade deadlines, the last, last one in particular, the cost of acquiring a good major leaguer at the deadline has never been lower. They can get guys who can help them, so right. they're gonna be in it. The Cardinals, for me, they were my pick. And the reason I think that they are the team to beat in the National League is for a lot of the same reasons as the Dodgers. They're starting pitching depth now. When you look at the guys they have in the majors, some of the guys they've put in their bullpen, what's in AAA Memphis, they go almost 10 deep with quality arms that they can turn to at any time. The bullpen was a complete disaster the first half of last year. They built it back up using some of those arms who were starters in AAA. Those guys have now been acclimated. I think they're gonna have that that wealth of arms that they can move back and forth between the rotation, the bullpen, and up and down to AAA. I think is going to be as strong as, or close to as strong as any team in baseball. I think the Braves will be stronger, but the Cardinals are not, the, the difference is not as big as I think some might think it is. On top of that, you add Paul Goldschmidt, you still have Matt Carpenter, Yadier Molina's back. There's a big group of outfield options, guys who can legitimately hit. I just think this is a really good, well-rounded, deep team. Offense, defense, uh, offense, pitching, farm system. The defense has been an issue for them for a few years now. Mm-hmm. I think having a full season of Harrison Bader in center field, a full season of Tyler O'Neill on right field, adding Paul Goldschmidt to the infield will help that enough that it won't be such an Achilles heel. Mm. I-, I think they're going to win this division, and I think they're going to get to the World Series. I think they're built to survive the postseason because of that depth and how well-rounded they are.
0: Yeah, one thing that interests me about that, uh, their roster construction is Jose Martinez, how does he play now? Such a good hitter, but such a bad defensive player in the league without the DH, and they have potential impact bats in right field and first base. You know, you can only pinch it once a game.
1: <laughs> I mean, injuries will injuries will come into it, days off, maneuvering guys in and out of the lineup, if O'Neal hits a slump or something, or Dexter Fowler still never figures it out. There's enough, you're right, he's not gonna get the level of bats he got in previous years, but they gave him a, a two-year extension, they clearly think he's a part of their mm-hmm. future. I do like where this team is at. And the Cubs and Brewers are, are still going to be contenders. I don't think the Cardinals are running away with it, but it'll I, be I, interesting. I, I see a lot of downside risk with the rotation
0: group, i got to be honest. I mean, Flaherty is obviously talented and is coming off a strong rookie year, but you just never know with young pitchers. And I, I could see, you know, things not working out for the other four opening day starters.
1: Again, Miles Michelis had a huge year last year. We'll see if he can repeat it. Michael Walker has been good, but struggled with injuries. Adam Wainwright's on the downside. Dakota Hudson won the fifth spot in camp as is a rookie. There's no question there's not a huge amount of proven security here. But I think, again, you look at, okay, you can go get pull up Alex Reyes out of the bullpen, when you man, how they want to manage his You have an Austin Gomber down AAA. There's, a, there's an interesting group of guys rising up, the Ryan Helsies of the world. Genesis Cabrera can help in the pen. I think there's enough arms that they'll be able to bring up and down That'll help them. And the truth is, you look at some of their contend- the, the contenders, at least in the central, the Cubs, the back of the Cubs rotation has been a problem. Their names, they're not performing. The Brewers are going with a lot of young guys who looked good in spurts last year, but this is going to be the first time Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta are putting in a full season worth of innings. So you're right. right that it's not a slam dunk rotation, but I would argue that when I look at a lot of the other rotations, and in, in their division for sure, and even among some of the other teams in the league, I don't know if the questions they have are that much greater than a lot of the questions some of the other teams have. Just my thoughts. You're less bullish? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's I mean, fine. Yeah, no, and again, that's, that's, that's what's fun. That's what will be interesting to find out. Well,
0: let's just preface everything we say. We're going to be wrong a lot. Oh, yeah. That's the nature
1: of predictions. <laughs> Predicting the future of anything. <laughs> again, we'll, there's, there's, there's a big chance we'll listen back to this podcast in six months and be like, man, what were we thinking? That's <laughs> that's half the fun of predictions. The East has been, again, you, you pick the Dodgers, I pick the Cardinals. Do you think any of the teams in the East are contenders for the Dodgers thrown as Kings of the NL?
0: Sure. The top four teams, I would say. You could construct a case where if everything goes right, you could see the Nationals, the Braves, the Phillies, or the Mets in the World Series. I don't think it's far-fetched, do you?
1: No, not at all. Not I think, I mean, the,
0: the Braves lineup is very dynamic. You know, you have concerns on the rotation side, obviously, with all the injuries, and I think prime regression candidates um, for the Braves, Fulton, Evich, and Newcomb, to me, are two of the big ones in the, in the entire league. Uh, the Phillies, as we've talked about, had probably the best offseason of any team. The Nationals have strong pitching group, as always. And the Mets have a lot of talent
1: if they can coalesce. Yeah, you know, who did have the best offseason of this group for you, the Phillies, Nationals, or Mets? Because I feel like the conversation centers around those three. My pick is the Phillies. Who who offseason did you like the most?
0: Probably the Phillies. I mean, the lineup is pretty fearsome. I'm not as sold on the pitching defense side, but I think they will have the best.
1: Them or the Braves will have the best lineup of this group. I'll be interested. You mentioned the defense; that was a huge issue last year for them. I do s- think that they they took a lot of positive steps to fixing that. Getting Reese Hoskins out of left field, putting him at first base, having an actual shortstop play shortstop, and acquiring Gene Segura is, is yeah. huge. Andrew McCutcheon uh, in left field will help as well. So there's no question you're going to need to see Nick Pavetta, Zach and Vince Velasquez step up. But in terms of best offseason, I picked that in the magazine, and, and you're in agreement. With all the moves these teams made, Phillies, Nationals, and Mets, the Braves are the defending champions. They bring pretty much everyone back, and, and a lot of the young pitchers took a step forward and are now ready to help them in the majors this year. Did these teams do enough to dethrone the Braves, in your opinion?
0: Yeah, if everything goes their way, yes. But I, I, I still think the Braves' dynamic offense really just stands out. I mean, they might have like the four best four the best hitters in the league at the top of the lineup that's just ridiculous between uh, between acuna and freeman in particular and you throw donaldson in there i guess their ncr is now leading off I, I i think so maybe they have three of the top hitters in the league and then nick marcake is you
1: know batting fifth probably aussie Albis will be in this picture it's interesting braves fans have been very very angry on twitter about their offseason. I will say that in my experience, I have found Braves fans to be very extreme on social media. It's, there's not a lot of nuance on social media in any realm. I have found Braves fans especially to be, we're the greatest thing ever, or oh my god, we are terrible, and there is <laughs> nothing in between. I don't think the Braves had a poor off season. I think this is still an excellent team. Nick Markakis had a really good year last year, Josh Donaldson when he came back with the Indians, was showing the same stuff he'd shown before. They have depth, both on the position player side, the pitching side. I did pick the Nationals to win this division. I believe you picked the Braves. Mm-hmm. So clear, And I think I picked the Braves for a second. So clearly we still think they have enough to win this division. Do you think the Braves fans' anger is justified that they didn't go get a Harper, that they didn't go get these guys? I wouldn't
0: necessarily criticize them for staying out of that part of the free agent pool, but I definitely could have seen them trading two or three pitching prospects for a more established veteran pitcher, were one available. I could also see a strong case for you know bringing back Craig Kimbrell, like they brought back Brian McCann. That's, those that's those seem amazing. like obvious patches to a pretty young group of pitchers who is
1: not really that proven. That's the big one to me. I understand the frustration address addressing the bullpen. We don't really know what his contract demands are because rumors that get floated out there often are not accurate, but he would help this team and I think they should not be afraid to make a reasonable offer to go get him. I will say that the Nationals to me were, were the team I picked in this division. Um, I just really, really liked the off-season moves they made. They obviously lost Bryce Harper, but they were wise to spread the money around they saved. Their catching situation last year was atrocious. It was painful to watch. They went over the top to fix that. As they should have, bringing Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes. They went ahead and brought in Brian Dozier to fix their second base hole, which they needed to do. They've added some guys that can help them at the back of the rotation. I just think this is a better, deeper Nationals team. And to me, Again, I, I, I like the bullpen, I like the rotation. What puts them over to the top of the Braves to me is, is the bullpen. I think the offense will be every bit as dynamic or close. I think the rotation will be every bit as good and probably a tick better, especially now they got Anibal Sanchez from the Braves. Yeah, I mean, the rotation is clearly better. And then the bullpen to me is what puts them over the top. You were a little more skeptical about the Nationals as we were putting out our preseason preview. What, for you, gave you pause? Uh,
0: I could see the lineup not being quite the caliber they needed to be. You know, they have Soto and Robles are talented, but they're still young players. I, I don't have as much doubt about Soto, but, you know, Eaton has health concerns. Dozier might be done, for all we know. Zimmerman's not very imposing at first base. You know, you could, you could be looking at a lineup of just Rendon and Soto if everything breaks poorly for them.
1: There's no question that that is very much a possibility. And Terry Turner. And Turner is a good player. For me, what's going to be key this season for the Nationals and the Phillies as well, Gabe Kapler and Davey Martinez, the two managers last year, made a lot of questionable decisions. I would say questionable at best and poor at worst, particularly with bullpen management. In the case of the Phillies, just who they were putting on the field and when. And some of that is... The front office, and, and it's not just 100% on the manager, but at the end of the day, the buck kind of stops there. Look, both of these guys played in the major leagues. Both of these were well-respected. I want to see what they learned, because we've seen a lot of times you can have a great, talented team on paper. If it's not deployed correctly, it doesn't matter. So one of the interesting subplots for me this season is going to be watching Davey Martinez and Gabe Kapler, and to a lesser degree, Mickey Callaway. There were some criticisms thrown his way as well regarding this, but I, to me, Martinez and Kapler were kind of on a bigger mm-hmm. scale. I want to see what they've learned from year one and what they put into practice in year two, because to me, that will be as much of a determining factor whether the Nationals and Phillies actually are postseason contenders as almost any other factor.
0: hmm yeah, and, you know, the, this division is so deep, again, that, you know, 90 wins could win it, and you could replay it 100 times and get <laughs>
1: a different winner every time. Yeah, I'll be interesting. Well, not, not literally every time, but, uh, you know, 20% of the time. It might be enough of a meat grinder where, you know, no one has more than 90 wins, but they're a great team because they're playing really good teams every day. You know, a 90, the 90-win 90 division winner in this division could be better than the 96, 97-game winner in weaker divisions. The Mets are kind of the wild card in all this. It's funny. They made all their moves before the Phillies struck, before the Nationals struck, so it almost seems like, oh yeah, the Mets had a a big offseason. They signed Jacob deGrom to an extension. Word word broke uh, as of this recording. The day of this recording, I should say. All of their offseason moves, will they work? I think so. I think they addressed
0: several areas of concern. Chiefly, getting more offense, I think, was or, or certainly more offensive options. They they had to you know break glass and use some emergency options last year that really really crushed their lineup. Jose Reyes cough cough until until Michael Conforto was healthy in the second half, and then they looked viable after he was on track and after Nimmo had fully emerged. Uh, but I mean the, the the upgrades in particular being Robinson Cano at second, Wilson Ramos. At catcher. Uh, you know, whatever they get from Jed Lowry as, as he floats from third and, and second perhaps would, would be an upgrade. And uh, Peter Alonso could also represent, at least give them more home runs than they had last year.
1: At Ahmed Rosario, we saw take some good steps second half of last year. Uh, I've said on the record that Dom Smith is someone I actually think is a breakout candidate this year. So there's no question in my mind the Mets offense is better, it's deeper. And while you can criticize, okay, I might not have liked This trade, or they overpaid here? At the end of the day, this is a better team than it was when Brody Van Wagenen took the job, and that's all you can really ask for as a general manager. The bullpen was upgraded. Edwin Diaz, they brought back Juris Familiar after they traded him to the A's midseason last year. Mm -hmm. The rotation health. Syndergaard has had injury issues. Wheeler's had injury issues. Mats has had injury issues. Jason Vargas is up there. That, to me, is kind of why when I was making my picks for this upcoming season, I had the Nationals and Braves ahead of the Mets still, just because I think the rotations are stronger and more likely to hold up. Stronger than the Mets rotation? I think the Nationals and the Braves are deeper, and I think over the course of 162 games, will kind of help them stay afloat, whereas I think the Mets, if they have two injuries, they might be in trouble. That startles me to hear that. <laughs> you would rather have the Braves no, no, starting no. five than the Mets? I wouldn't want their Braves starting four over the Mets starting four, but I like the Braves collection of their top nine better than the Mets top nine. That's what I'm getting at. The depth. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the Mets rotation, they don't have a lot of depth. That's that's and clear. And that, to me, is just my, my one concern And when I was mapping this out. Um, I think I did the math last year, and it was I – I shouldn't say I think I did do the math last year, and the average major league team used between 11 and 12 different starters. And that's just where I, I you know wonder if the Mets have enough guys they can pull up from on those days where, where again, if these guys get hurt. If everyone stays healthy, this is, this is a playoff team. It's just a matter of how much faith you have in that happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the bullpen, they have Seth Lugo and Gisellman, who also could could spot star. Um, so they're kind of like hidden starting
1: depth. Yeah, and that's a very good point as well. I will say I think the Mets are going to be maybe one of the most fascinating teams to watch this upcoming season, just with, again, the management changeover, all the offseason moves. The Mets always find a way to be entertaining, I feel like, and and... That's going to be one of the key stories of the National League this year, whether they can stay healthy, get back to where they were. Um, but as we said, you pick the Braves, I pick the Nationals. So clearly we do feel like there are other teams that we think are going to win this division, but nothing would count as a surprise. The real question about this division, the Marlins, going up against these four potential behemoths, do they win 60 games? With an unbalanced schedule now, well, I shouldn't say now. There has long been an unbalanced schedule, but knowing that they have an unbalanced schedule in this division, do they win 60 games?
0: I think it's going to be tough. Their lineup is just not very good, and the quality of teams they're going to be playing every day with such a long season, I, I think it's going to wear them down.
1: I don't think the Marlins are the worst team in baseball this year. When I look at their roster, it's, I'm not going to say they're good. I don't think they're the worst. But I think it's possible they will have the worst record because they're gonna be facing who they're gonna be facing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like Brian Anderson. He's a really good player. Starlin Castro's still a good player as well. You know, Lewis Brinson. There's a chance he he gets a little bit better this year. I mean, Alfa- Two
0: sixty on base would be a little bit better. for yes. Lewis Brinson. A, l- a
1: little bit you know improvement. Jorge Alfaro showed you some good things last year, some not so good things, but. And the rotation, like, Urania's fine. I think Sandy Alcantara and Caleb Smith and Pablo Lopez are all something there. So, again, it's not... I compare this roster to the Orioles' roster. Give me the Marlins every day, especially on the pitching side. But it it might be tough even 55 wins. We'll see. Some of it's going to be health-related, but especially if, and especially if it goes poorly in the first half, sure, Starling Castro will be going somewhere at the trade deadline and possibly even... Neil Walker, Curtis Granderson, all these other guys they brought in as well. We shall see. Which which creates playing time for Peter O'Brien, which is all in the Marlins' plans. Austin Dean, Magnus here. Get yourselves ready. The East got most of the attention, and deservedly so. The Central was, in my mind, um, (sighs) close to as interesting. I don't know if I'll say every bit as interesting, but. Close. We talked about my belief in the Cardinals being the best team in this division.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The Cubs, though, so I talked about the Braves fans on social media being very, very angry about the lack of moves their, teams made, their team made. I felt like the Cubs, there was every bit that same anger. And I just kept thinking to myself the Cubs won 95 games last year with Chris Bryant hurt, Addison Russell getting suspended, the back of the rotation completely falling apart. Almost everything that could have gone wrong for the Cubs last year did. And they still won 95 games. We're in a one-game playoff for the division title. To me, this is a team that, just with some health, this is still a potential 100-win team. And it just it felt like the level of outrage was not equivalent to the talent that's on this roster.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of that is, is focused on in some ways what they had to give up to acquire Jose Quintana, to acquire a Chapman, who's now gone, uh, and to sign Hugh Darvish. I mean, they invested a lot of capital in all of these acquisitions and you these do- players Tyler are cool, Chatwood are, And none of those guys lived up to expectations or even close to it. So I, I understand the frustration, but I do think there is major rebound potential here, as you
1: were hinting at. Lester, Hamels, look, they're getting up there. Hendricks as well. The bullpen... Is it the greatest bullpen in the history of the world? No, but Brandon Morrow, Pedro Strope, Steve Siechek, Carl Edwards, Brandon Kinsler, like these are good pitchers. I think there's a chance this is still a really good team. I I again, the Cardinals to me were my pick to win the division. The Cubs, I mean, you could I, I say that with like a 51% to a 49%, you know, over the Cubs. I think the Cubs are every bit contenders for the division, and with that, every bit of contenders. For the National League crown to get back to the World Series. The back of the rotation has to be a little better than it was last year. It almost has to be. It's just by the law of averages. And I think it will be. So to me it's the Cardinals and Cubs are kind of 1-2 in this division. And you can flip that around. I wouldn't argue against you. The Brewers were one game from the World Series last year. For you, are they, are they the one of the top two teams in this division? Or have they moved back to third for you?
0: I can't remember where I had them, but I, I think third place is probably the realistic, you know, betting position type of default for them, just because they had a lot of things go right. It's difficult to manage a pitching staff, as we alluded to, that's that's young and inexperienced and so bullpen reliant. It's, it's a difficult high wire act to
1: navigate for 190 days, 180 days, whatever it is. And there are some good starting pitchers. It's not like they need to go full bullpen all the time. Ray's status, mm-hmm. again, Julius Chassin is I, I love those young
0: starters we talked about. It's just you have to be skeptical until they do it for a full season.
1: And Zach Davis and Chase Anderson have had moments of being solid. We'll see what they can give you. Julius Chassin has been really good recently. The, again, there's enough here to like this team. They added Desmonte hmm Again, I, I look at the Cubs' rotation. I look at the Cardinals' rotation. I also am going to be curious to see how Mike at Mike Mustakas at second base, plays out over the course of a full season. Again, really good team. I do pick the Cardinals and Cubs over them at this point.
0: I love the Mustakas experiment. As we've we've had people in the industry tell us that being acrobatic at second base is not a prerequisite anymore because of the slide rule. You know, you don't have to be the the nimble five foot 10 second baseman to be adequate there. And th- the Brewers are. are Probably the team most invested in this,
1: this philosophy. I, I like it. We've also seen with shifting now, the range required for some of these guys to cover isn't what it used to be. So, yep. I'm not saying it, it can't work. I'm just saying I'll be curious to see how it does work. I'm just giving them credit, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And hey, they're a reigning organization of the year, and they have a lot of smart people who have done a lot of good things with that team. So, don't take me picking the Brewers as third place in this division. As to mean I think they're not good, or I think last year was a fluke. I think there is a sustainable success model here. I just don't know if I could pick them to go 90, win 96 games, and get back to the NLCS this year, given everything else that's happened around them. Mm-hmm. Which leads us to the Reds. Yeah, probably the most active team in the division. They've kind of finally said, owned up to, hey, our pitching development has been a disaster. Let's just call it as it is. It's been a disaster for years now. Let's bring in guys who have already developed, bring in Sonny Gray, bring in Tanner Roark, bring in Alex Wood. So now you only need two guys of your collection of young starters to fill up the back of your rotation as a hope as as opposed to hoping all five of the you know all five spots can be filled by those guys. I think this is one of the better offenses in the National League, and they're playing in a very hitter-friendly park that Mm -hmm. will help all their strengths continue to play. I actually really like the Matt Kemp-Yasiel Puig additions for Jeter Downs and and Josiah Gray, who are fine prospects, but neither of them are elite guys, and you're getting middle-of-the-order bats who can make an impact for your offense. I like what the Reds did this offseason. Do you think it's enough to squeak into... Because I feel like if they do squeak into the postseason, it's going to have to be as the second wild card. I don't think you can realistically say they're going to jump both the Brewers and one of the Cardinals or Cubs. But if you tell me they need to jump one of them and if the NL East is a meat grinder where they just beat each other up and before you know it, the Reds have one more win than someone else in the East because they've played a lesser schedule, I can see that. Do you think they've done enough to make that happen?
0: Mm-hmm. I do, yeah, I, and I commend them for trying to win. It's been, they're one of the, they have one of the longest losing streaks in baseball, and, and they've, you know, they're trying to do something about it, which is, I think, the way it should be. I think, I think the offense is pretty dynamic. Um, they have young players who are up and coming, up and down that batting order. Uh, the front of the rotation is better. I like Luis Castillo as a breakout candidate, like in the, you know, the fourth spot of the rotation. Uh, Dey Sclafani is coming back. T- Tyler Male has shown flashes,
1: though overall hasn't been very good. Um, Brazil Iglesias is still a really good closer. Jared Hughes was one of the better relievers in baseball last year that no one appreciated. David Hernandez, same thing. There's good starters. There's a good bullpen. There's a well-rounded and deep offense, and there's guys in the minors that can come up to supplement them as the year goes on. I, I do like this team. And again, to me... I don't think they're going to win the division. I don't think you're going to see them go worst to first. But as we saw with the, twin, the Twins in the AL Central two years ago, mm-hmm. where they were playing a division that, again, the NL Central is stronger than the AL Central two years ago was. But there were better teams in the AL West and AL East than the Twins. But the Twins were able to amass more wins. And I think that, again, just because I anticipate the NL Central or the NL East being such a meat grinder, not that the Central will be easy, but, again, I can see it where, hey, if the Reds have 87 and the Mets have 86, and the Mets could be the better team, but they played in one more series against a better, more competitive team than the Reds did, that can make a difference. So that, to me, is the path. I didn't pick it to happen, but... I made note in, uh, in the magazine, in our preview issue, each of the last four seasons, a team has gone from last place in their division to the playoffs the next year. Of the six teams to finish in last place in their respective divisions last year, I do think the Reds are the most likely of those teams to make this happen. Okay, I'd have to see the last place teams to know for sure. It would give us the Padres, the Reds, the Marlins, and we know the Marlins aren't happening. And then in the American League, we are at the Rangers. Keep going. (laughs) The Royals and the Orioles. Okay, yeah. I was going to say if the White Sox were there, but I don't think they've done enough, quite enough. But you never know. That's half the fun. You never know. (laughs) It's prediction season. The stepchild that's kind of been left behind here is the Pirates. We've talked about the strength, and this is where I just made the case, you know, this is how if the Reds made the playoffs, this is how they would do it. They would have an extra win somewhere. But the four teams in the NL East are gonna to get to beat up on the Marlins. The four teams that are the top teams in the NL Central aren't gonna have the same edge as over the Pirates, mm-hmm. who honestly, if the Pirates were in the AL Central of the NL Central, I think I'd finish, I'd pick them to finish second in the division. The Pirates are not a bad team. So to me, if I'm the Pirates, this is, this is the interesting place that, that I think a lot of teams are trying to figure out what the right answer to this is. If you're the Pirates, do you keep trying to build a little bit and be competitive? They, they've sort of been this weird zone where they've been, you know, we saw them not really ever make a move to acquire a veteran, and then last year was the year they chose to do it, going out and getting Chris Archer, going out and getting Kony Keela. So they clearly tried to contend. They've built a team that's capable of being respectable, but it's also probably not enough to overtake the Cubs and the Cardinals and probably the Brewers. What do you do if you're the Pirates, given where they are and where the rest of the division is?
0: Uh, probably exactly what they're doing. You know, they're, they're making smart decisions to try to make their team as good as they can in each season. You know, they, the rotation is fronted by what, Tyone and Archer? Trevor Williams, and Trevor Williams and Joe, Musgrove. And Joe Musgrove. I mean, it's not, it's not a bad collection of players, like you said. You Vasquez and Kilo at the end
1: of the bullpen. I
0: mean, they're obviously going to need a lot of things to break right for them and, and poorly for their division rivals. But, you know, well, I mean, what would you do?
1: You can't go out and buy a ton of free agents. It's interesting. I, I don't think the correct move is to strip it down and, you know, trade Dickerson, trade Marte, trade Polanco. I think you let these guys continue to play. I think Adam Frazier is one of the more underrated players. He, he's a good player. You know, Jung Ho Kong has, has looked better. He, he's back now. We'll see. Again, there's obviously some off the field issues there that, can, uh, that aren't the best look for the Pirates. But he's on the field. He can hit. Francisco Cervelli and Elias Diaz very quietly he was one of the best catching tandems in baseball last year. Yeah. Honestly, if I'm the Pirates, I kind of keep what I'm doing. Wait, you know give another year Cole Tucker comes up and plays shortstop. You can add Mitch Keller to this rotation at some point I don't think the Pirates are Three four five years away. I think there's some good pieces keep them in place Make a couple of additions here and there and let a couple of the key guys in the system come up and They'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. It'll be respectable and in my mind That's what I think will actually make the central race more exciting not not more exciting in some ways, it will be more interesting than the National League East race just because you have five legitimately decent teams, which you don't have, I don't feel like, in any other division in baseball.
0: True, yeah.
1: That brings us to the National League West. We've established the Dodgers are kings of the hill. The Rockies are back-to-back postseason participants that every year, people like, okay, I'm gonna pick someone else to get there, and frankly, the Rockies are right in the mix of this, and, and they will be again. The Padres are a number one farm system. They added Manny Machado for $300 million. Mm-hmm. They've already said Chris Paddock will be in their opening day rotation. We're starting to see the young starters rise up. They've got a pretty well-rounded lineup on paper now. Mm-hmm. In practice, this is a team that finished bottom three in almost every offensive category last year. They were dead last on base percentage. In theory, that should be improved, full year from Luis Urias. Fernando Tatis comes up, again adding Machado, another year of maturity for guys like Renfro and Hedges who took a step forward, a full year of Fran Reyes. So there's potential for it to improve, but it has to improve, and improve by a lot. When you look at the Padres, How realistic is it for you for them to, because I think the goal is is just get to 500. They had the second longest streak of losing seasons in the major leagues behind only the Marlins. 2010 was their last winning season. Breaking that 500 barrier would be huge for them. How likely is it they do that in your estimation? I would give them at
0: least 50-50 shot. I like, you know, especially as they start to integrate some of these young arms. I mean, Lucchese and Paddock are the top of that group. We could see Quantrill and Logan Allen this year to help out a little bit. But I think once they have Tatis in the lineup, him at short, Urias at second, I think it's gonna be one of the more it's gonna be one of the better defensive teams in the league. And, and I Ian think
1: Kinsler's still a great defender yeah, as well.
0: And he can float around. And I, I give and, and I think the offensive ceiling on a lot of these guys is, is pretty significant as well. So I could see them being a pretty formidable offensive team, but it really hinges on the pitchers delivering.
1: And you mentioned having that defense behind them will be helpful. That is something that has been a problem for the Padres in years past, a mm-hmm. reliable infield defense. And just having even Freddie Galvis at shortstop last year was like, oh, finally. They <laughs> have someone who can actually play a right. good shortstop for them. Um, Luis Sirius is, as of right now, you know, slated to open the year at shortstop. That's not his best position, but he can handle it. He can mm-hmm. fill in. Once everything is kind of clicked into place, really good infield defense, Machado and Hosmer on the corners. You have Manny Margot and his gold glove potential in center field. You know, Myers and Renfro have had moments where they look like they can play corner mm-hmm. outfield, other moments where they're struggling there. Franchi Cordero, uh-huh. when his focus is all there, has all the tools to be a really good defender. He just has some lapses. Framo Reyes' defense has never been his thing, but he provides enough offensive punch. So there's some guys that can mix and match in there that will make them a better defensive team than they've been, and that should help the pitchers.
0: I guess the one quibble would be left-handed. They don't have a lot of left-handed hitters to kind of balance the lineup out and kind of, yeah.
1: And I talked about this on a San Diego radio station a couple of days ago. It's not overly left-handed, but I feel like they have enough guys they can mix in. Again, Hosmer at first base. Francisco Mejia, switch hitter. Mm -hmm. He gives you a left-handed bat situationally. And Franchi, that's the only one I have, Greg Garcia is also left-handed.
0: Yeah, but you know why I'm in the
1: lineup. Not very often. So, again, there's options they can mix in. Uh, Travis Jankowski, when he gets healthy, potentially, as well. So, I think they can mix and match in enough that it won't be an overwhelming problem, but right. we have to see how it plays out. Third place in a 500 record, to me, is a successful season for the Padres. Even if th- that's third place in 77 wins, that would still be an 11-win jump.
0: I would say the, the best case, you know, the goal for them is to be like the 2014 Cubs. You know, get to the point where you're just about on the verge of contention, and then you have the best form system, and then and the next year you take it to the next level, which another, is the playoffs.
1: Another example that is the 2013 Royals. The 2013 Royals broke their streak of losing seasons, okay. got above 500, and then 2014 they took the next step and made the playoffs. I believe it was an 86-win season in 2013, mm-hmm. and then the next year they got the wild card, won 89 games, and the magic started to happen. So that to me, you're right. whether it's the 2013 Royals, or in your case, the Cubs, starting to set the table the year before.
0: Or just, or just do it like the Braves did last year and just win.
1: You know? That would who be need, nice. Who, I, who needs a consolidation year? just win? Well, it's funny, I, I thought last year, and I put this on social media before the season, and I, I did say, I thought, I could see the Braves contending for a wild card. I did not expect them to win the division, but I could see the scenario where they contended for the wild card, just looking at the lineup and the pitching depth. I don't feel the same way about the Padres and and the talent they have ready right this minute, but I do think they'll be better. I just don't think it'll be, again, a 25-plus game swing better, but it'll be better, and that's all you can ask for. We've established that's, that's the pecking order, right? The Dodgers and Rockies are playoff teams. The Padres are trending up. You have the Giants and Diamondbacks at the back end of that. How long will it be before they're competitive again? The Diamondbacks lost Corbin and Pollock and Goldschmidt this offseason. Those guys are good. Yes, they are very good. I'd like to have those guys on my team. I would, too. And there's a reason the Diamondbacks were in the playoffs in 2017 and were in first place every month of the season last season until last month, which is the one that counts the most. So... They've been a really good team, but this is, a, this is a reset. There is still some talent there. You look at the rotation, you see Zach Granke, you see Robbie Ray, they acquired Luke Weaver, Tywan Walker's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. Jake Lamb and Eduardo Escobar are nice players offensively. Uh, Steven Souza, when he's healthy, has shown the ability to be a nice power hitter, but he left yesterday's game with an apparent injury, so we have to see if he's how much he's able to give them. But but they lost a lot of talent. And then you have the Giants who, hey, won three World Series in five years after not winning a World Series, the entirety of their history in San Francisco. I think if I had asked any Giants fan on Opening Day 2010, you're going to win three of the next five World Series, but you're going to then be in bad shape for the five years after that. Would you take that trade? Every single one of them would say yes. And that was the right call. It's just the bill has come due now. We picked at BA the Giants to finish in fourth, the Diamondbacks to finish in fifth. I could see it flipping fairly easily, but I think we're in agreement. These are two teams that will not contend this year and probably won't contend the year after, and then we have to see what things look like in 2021. How long, for in your estimation, is it going to be before we see these two teams back in postseason contention as we've seen them this decade?
0: Uh, I think the Diamondbacks are probably a little closer just because they have a little more farm system depth although the Giants do have Joey Barton, which is nice. But I, I, I would probably side to the Diamondbacks, maybe in three years, because especially because these teams could be picking high in the draft
1: as well, which could help. And that's especially where the, if the Diamondbacks case, that's gonna be the real windfall for them, potentially this, uh, mm-hmm. this coming draft. They've got, because they didn't sign their first round of Matt McClain last year, they got competitive balance round picks. They got compensation picks for losing Pollock and Corbin. Corbin. They have seven picks on day one, if I remember correctly. Now we. I think
0: they traded for one too, didn't they?
1: They got one in the Paul Goldschmidt trade. They yes. got so I believe it's seven day one draft picks this year. We've ha- seen other teams have big flurries like that before, and the history of them isn't actually that great in terms of working out, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, it's an opportunity.
0: And especially because their highest draft position probably isn't super high, correct? Because McLean was like 25th overall. He was 25th overall. And the record last year was middle of the pack, so like
1: 15-ish. Right. They don't have any premium top 10 picks, but they have a chance to to get a big group of kids, and even if two of them hit, it gets you something. I'm probably in agreement with you. I think the Giants have a chance to be better this year than the Diamondbacks? I say a chance. I, I don't say that with any level of conviction. Let's see that Giants team. But long term moving forward, I forgot to mention Zach Godley in the, in, the, in the rotation as well. He's shown you know the ability to be a solid back end starter too. So I think the Diamondbacks pitching will keep them afloat. Then again, if things go south fast, well, these pitchers can be traded at the deadline, which right, right. You know, we'll see if they can uh, move some of Zach Greinke's money off the books. That is something to watch moving forward. The Giants are a very interesting team in terms of some guys whose best days are behind them, some guys who are fringe major leaguers, and some pitchers that you just kind of say, well, maybe. It's a really, it's kind of a a weird hodgepodge of talent. Uh, We've seen them still not be satisfied with what their roster look like. Looks like they've made five trades in the last five days to kind of work on the fringes of their roster, so they're still working on it. But yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting team, talent-wise.
0: Yeah, if Posey and, and Bumgarner be captured 2014 for them, that, that'd be a good start. I mean, those guys have been kind of slipping statistically, as you expect, as they get older. But they certainly have the pure talent level to be a lot better than they've shown.
1: Brandon Crawford's another guy who we've seen the slippage a little bit. Evan Longoria... Did not have a great year last year. Brandon Belt still does some things; still a fine player. But on the whole, this is a Giants team that is. Could you have named this outfield without looking? Probably not. Because I don't
0: think I, I think I could only have gotten one of them, and it was Mac Williamson.
1: And I wouldn't have penciled him in as a uh, possible starter. No, there's no question. And you look at the worst outfields in baseball. Really, over the last couple of years, the Giants have been at the top of the list, and they're probably going to continue to be this year. Um, Steven Duggar has shown you some interesting things. Austin Slater and Chris Shaw, who are gonna start the year in Sacramento, have at various points shown you something you can kinda hang your hat on. So there are physical bodies there that, okay, there might be something, but when you look at how that stacks up compared to the rest of the National League, it's pretty clearly in the bottom tier, and particularly in the West, it's it's right at the bottom. With that said, we talked a lot about the National League being so deep and how we think there's 10 teams who are competitive. Maybe the Padres can follow that Braves Astros Brewers, you know, precedent of a peaking year early. With that, is there a surprise team in here you feel like no one is talking about that you think will be better than people? Generally, think will be
0: Uh, for me. Those candidates would be the Reds and the Padres. I just think they have enough young talent that if it all goes right, that would be my picks. How about you?
1: I mean, yeah, it's probably those guys. (laughs) I mean, yeah, and the Reds I think are probably the better team, but we'll see how it plays out. It's it's going to be a lot of. There's going to be a lot of injuries that hit that are going to change the dynamic. There's going to be. Teams who, for whatever reason, just it doesn't click for. So there's always unpredictable uh, x factors, if you will, that come into play during the season. But as it stands right now, I would expect the Reds to be the team I would pick to do this if I were going to pick a team to do this. Which, generally speaking, I'm not. I'm st- I'm, st- I'm going boring with you know the Dodgers, the Nationals, the Cardinals, the Cubs all making the playoffs, and then that fifth playoff spot, second wild card. If you were to tell me, it's one of the Brewers, Phillies, Rockies, I'm, I'm in on that. So That's how I see it shaping up, but it'll be fun. I do want to talk to you about players that you think could be in for big years. I've said before on this podcast, after seeing Dominic Smith in spring training, I think there's a chance, if he gets the consistent playing time, which is a big if, you don't know if he's actually going to get it, but if he's given it, I think he has a chance to do some good things this year. I wrote in the magazine, Herman Marquez Mm -hmm. of the Rockies has been one of the best young starters in baseball the last couple of years, very quietly. I think this is the year he jumps into Cy Young conversations, not picking him to win the Cy Young, but one of those guys that's like, hey, look at the end of the year and he's sixth in voting and deserves to be. I think he's a guy who could take a jump like that. Those would be my kind of breakout players in the National League. Who do you like this year?
0: Uh, two, two of my prime guys are both reds, in fact, which kind of buoys my optimism for them. And that's Luis Castillo. I think the, pitch, the individual pitch quality is very high. Obviously, there's more to that, more to pitching than simply pitch quality. But I think the elements are in place there for him to, be, to put up an ace type of season. And I also like Jesse Winker in the outfield. I think he's a very mature hitter
1: with, with bat speed and with power. And I think we're going to see some good things from him this year. It's going to be a fun year in the National League, that's for sure. I will be uh, in San Diego on opening day. That'll get us kicked off for what will be a very, very fun season. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We love to hear from you and get some general feedback. For Matt Eddy, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you for listening, everybody.